But I think that um, a big part of being an entrepreneur is not only being motivated and confident, but also being able to be hopeful for the next opportunity, right? Not closing the doors and saying, okay, well, that was nice. Let's go back to clinic. Let's just focus on medicine, but really thinking about, okay, that was great, but what's the next opportunity? Are you looking for opportunities to invest in passive real estate syndications? Join our exclusive community at FastFire Capital, where we're dedicated to bringing doctors and other high-income earners priority access to the best opportunities to invest in large multifamily and other types of commercial properties. Not only that, by being part of the community, you'll get exclusive access to webinars and Q&As, where you'll be able to raise your passive investing IQ. To join our community, go to semiretiredmd.com forward slash syndication. Again, that address is semiretiredmd.com forward slash syndication. When you daydream about your future, I'll bet it doesn't include you still working into your 60s and 70s. But unless you're actively taking steps to break the cycle of trading time for money, that's the future most of us face. Ignite Your Journey will lay out a roadmap to show you how to finally break that cycle and achieve true financial freedom. And it will show you how to do it in just three to five years rather than the 20 or so it takes for traditional investments or saving in your retirement accounts. For more information, go to semiretiredmd.com forward slash IYJ. Welcome to the Doctors Building Wealth Podcast, the place where we talk about the strategies, habits, and mindset that separate wealthy docs from those who are not. We're your hosts, Leiti and Kenji. Welcome to another episode of the Doctors Building Wealth Podcast. We are so excited to have Dr. Jennifer Namazi here with us, and she's going to be talking about her entrepreneurship journey. We're going to sprinkle in a little bit of real estate. Hi, Jennifer. Hi. Thank you for having me on the show. We're excited to have you here. We've had your husband, David, at the Fast Fire to Freedom Summit, and he was telling us all about your real estate journey. And we knew we had to interview you and hear about your entrepreneurship and what you've been doing over the last couple of years. So could you start out just giving us a little bit of background about you and how you got into entrepreneurship? Yeah, no, absolutely. I first want to say that I'm fangirling right now because I love you guys. And um <laughs> And we were part of the Zero to Freedom 2021 class. So um, thank you for having me here um, talking a little bit about my business. But I am a practicing allergist immunologist in San Diego, California for over 20 years. So I do continue to practice medicine in addition to having a company Charmed Bling over the last 10 years. So I spend part of my time teaching residents and fellows and um, really, you know, spending time on my research in women's health as it pertains to allergy and immunology, but also being a business person as well. Um, I always knew that I wanted to have my own business, even in medical school. So when I did different rotations, such as dermatology, I'd be like, wow, wouldn't it be great to have a skincare line? Um, but it wasn't until my first business what was when I was a second year fellow finishing my fellowship and, um, I started a business with my attending and it was called Home Allergy Design Consultants. 
And so part of what we do as allergists is we really take um, a good history and usually by a questionnaire to really kind of dive into what the home environment's like, especially if they have allergen sensitivities to things in the home like mold or dust or pet dander. And we thought that there was a disconnect in terms of what the questionnaire showed and what was actually in the home, which turned out to be right. And so it was actually a service product where we would go into the home and make it as allergy free as possible. And we started to create a whole product line with that. Unfortunately, the 2008 housing crash really ended the company because people were spending more time concerned on keeping the home rather than hiring consultants to come in the home and make it mm. allergy free. But I think that um, a big part of being an entrepreneur is not only being motivated and confident, but also being able to be hopeful for the next opportunity, right? Not closing the doors and saying, okay, well, that was nice. Let's go back to clinic. Let's just focus on medicine, but really thinking about, okay, that was great, but what's the next opportunity? And entrepreneurship yeah. really is a series of failures. I mean, yeah. right. you try something, you fail, but you got to get yourself up. Otherwise you quit. And I think that's what keeps people like who have that entrepreneurial spirit going because you are going to fail a number of times and most people will give up and stop. I'm curious, you're talking about starting a business during fellowship with an attending. So there's the partnership learnings, which I'm sure you had from that. And then also balancing fellowship plus a business. So can you talk a little bit about those two topics and what you learned that might be applicable to somebody else um, who does that, who, you know, thinks about doing something like this. Right, right. And this was, you know, this was towards the end. I was pretty much done, you know, I didn't want any huge conflicts, but um, yeah, we're, we're best friends to the day. Um, but, you know, you really have to, I really learned a lot about partnerships, right? And the benefits and challenges of a partnership. Um, there are huge benefits there, there's that sharing of knowledge, that's the sharing of um, risk. Um, but there's, you know, there's some challenges too, in terms of what you, what your vision is and what their vision is as well. Um, so there, there, there are benefits and challenges to, to partnerships. I'm not putting it down at all, but I, you know, came to the realization that um, I really wanted to be solo in, in, in my next endeavor. And um, I really want, because that would make me more focused. I was more focused. I was more driven. I didn't have to um, kind of think about other people's schedules. I mean, we're all practicing physicians as well. Um, but yeah, I think that there, there are, well, there are challenges in doing business at any point in your life, but doing it during fellowship and residency and earlier um, does have its you know, pros and cons. Um, it's a little more work, but um, like I said, there's not any good or bad time to start a business, right? If you have a vision, you just need to go for it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. There's no perfect time. Just like no happy kids. So, right. so let's talk about the next one. Right. So the next, um, so Charmed Bling um, came to me um, really in a sequence of events that happened right after each other. So I have three kids and my daughter was, uh, I think six or seven at the time very much into Disney princesses. And I was getting ready to leave for work and she was all dressed up in her, you know, click clacking around the house in her little heels. And she ran up to me and said, mommy, before you leave, take this so you can remember me. And it was this glitter 
plastic ring that you would probably win at, you know, at a, at a pizza place. Um, so I took it and I put it in my pocket and I got to work and I was like, what am I going to do with this? And I looked at my pink pediatric stethoscope and I was like, oh, they match. And I popped off the diaphragm, stuck the ring on, and then just started my day. And I realized I actually did think about her more. And not only that, the kids that I saw, the adults that I saw were like, oh, that's really cute. I, yeah, I didn't know you could put something on a stethoscope. So that happened. And it still remains on my stethoscope to this day. And she's 17 years old. So that happened. And then, you know, I work with nurses, MAs, LVNs all day. And one of them who was talking to me and she said, oh, look at my charm bracelet. I'm going to get a new charm next month when it's my birthday. My daughter said she's going to get me one with a little puppy on it. And I looked at it and they were charms for all different things. There was the nurse charm. There was the, you know, flag charm. And, and I thought, gosh, why couldn't we put charms on a stethoscope? Which seemed like a crazy idea at the time. I was like, you could, you could personalize your stethoscope. You could show people what you liked. Um, so that's where the idea came to be. And not but, get lost, right? That's not, another piece. We can get lost. Someone else wouldn't pick it up and walk away. Right. Um, I, I always used to put tape on mine. It was so ugly, but it would be like taped with my name because I would get it lost all the time. Right. It's amazing. Right. But, you know, when you come up with a business, especially a product, there is a huge gap between your idea and what it will be. And it's like, I think I heard this quote and it's a famous Indian author that said, um, you can't cross an ocean standing and staring at the water, right? You can get lost in your ideas and what it's gonna look like and where you're gonna sell it and what, but if you don't make that first step and that step is huge, you're never going to get down the path. And so my first step was to make a prototype and I didn't care how much it costs. I just needed to see something on a stethoscope just to see if I, I liked it. And that, was, and that was the first step. Once I saw it, I was like, this is, this is it. This is gonna work. Amazing. How did you find your company? Did you just, what, what was the process you went through? And then once you had that prototype, how, how do you even start trying to sell this idea? Right, right. So I think there are three things that are important about being a business person and being a successful business. And number one is mentors. And you've said it yourself in your podcast as well and, and teaching the Zero to Freedom. It's mentors, finding people that have followed that, have taken that path before you and can guide you through it. And that's what I started with. I started with mentors. I'm not a business person. I went to medical school. That's pretty much it. I don't know how to create a product. And so I found some key mentors and some of them were free. They're in your community. Go to the Small Business Administration, find them. They're waiting for you there. And um, they helped kind of guide me on those initial first steps, right? How to start a business financially, right? The kind of the nuts and bolts of it and how to go out and start looking for manufacturers. You have a vision, you have a design, you have a prototype. How do you go about those next steps? And um, that's, that's, one, that's one key 
part of being a successful business. Another key part is really believing in your product. And I already did. I knew I believed in my product. I knew I could sell it. And I think that is the second thing that's really important is being able to sell your product. And, um, and that can be very daunting to a physician, right? We've never really had to sell ourselves. People come to us. We don't have to, you know, we don't have to sell our product. We don't have to sell ourselves. And so I, I had to do that. I had to walk into many hospitals. I used to go to hospitals and go to the gift stores and try to sell my product to the managers there. Um, and the third thing is, is really just um, taking the negative and making it positive. So I would sell my product. I remember the first year we had our holiday season and we sent out and I said if I sell one I said to David if I sell one charm and that's it then then I'm a success and I'm going to close the business and I'm going to just be happy and I ended up selling a lot of charms that first year and half of them came back because they were all broken so I had to look at what I was doing I had to look at my manufacturing process and and redo everything. Wow, awesome. huge challenge. Yeah, a huge challenge. How did you uh, overcome that? Were there a lot of uh, fears? There were a lot like of angry up? customers and emails and <laughs> I, I, I cried. I was like, well, what do I do now? I mean, I, I, I not only have I lost the money, I've lost the confidence from my customer, from the, the young customer base I have. And now I have to redesign everything. I have to talk to my manufacturers. It was just, it was overwhelming. And there are times where you feel like, why, why am I, why am I doing this? Why am I staying up till six o'clock in the morning, packing up little orders um, for a holiday season and, and it being a failure. So, mm -hmm. but that is part of being in business is then being able to turn around and, and fix it. But did you know, know that going in or did you, kind of just learn that over time that you have to just kind of pick yourself up and keep going? I don't think I knew that before because I don't know if I would have the 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 um, the guts to keep going, to, to go into it. I don't think anyone knows. And I think every business is different. And so every business has its potential um, uh, disasters, right? Um, this is a product business and this product was broken, right? Um, and that's really, uh, that, that's really disheartening, but, um, but it absolutely made me able to kind of refocus and, and make a product that is resilient. Now, one thing I heard is how much work you're doing by yourself at this point. So I presume you didn't have a staff or you didn't have much of a staff. Sounds like you're doing a lot of the work of it. Can you talk about how you were managing all of this? And then at what point you decided to actually get help? It was, it was definitely after the first holiday season. Um, once I started, once I started having to refocus on the new design, um, I still was, get, I still had orders coming in on our website and I, and I knew I needed help. Um, but I didn't know who, who, you know, who to hire, how to hire, what, you know, what, what skill level I needed. And so I did the only thing I knew. I went back into my brain, into the past, and I called up this mom that was in the preschool class <laughs> with my kids. 
and we lived in the neighborhood together. Hadn't seen her in about, I don't know, like five years or something, but I knew she was efficient. Boy, we were in that preschool class. She had all the paperwork done. She had all the kids ready to go. And I was like, wow, she is an awesome mom. And I called her up and I said, listen, do you want a part-time job? Do you want to help me out in this kind of home business I'm working on? And she was like, sure. And she's still with me 10 years later. She's still with me. We have history. Yes. And our kids are graduating high school. Um, So it's amazing. I I want people who are thinking about doing a business and who are scared to hear how none of us have it all worked out ahead of time. You can think 50 steps ahead, but you don't actually see a lot of the the things coming at you that you you can never predict ahead. And you can get so overwhelmed looking ahead that you don't do anything. But as you go, then you see the problems and then you see the next step you need to take. You're not going to see it when you're first starting. It's just, otherwise you just don't start. Yeah, it is. It is right. Mm -hmm. It is absolutely. And it, you know, and I think a lot, um, and I think a lot of people think about a business and think maybe of all those potential problems that could just come at them. But, you know, you have to understand it's it's a process. It's a learning process. It doesn't, nothing all happens at once, right? You do have time. You do have time on your side. It's your business. You can, you know, put things on hold and reassess in a week or two, right? I mean, there's some problems that you have to address right away, but in the beginning, you can, there are times where you can really just sit at a crossroads and you do have the luxury of time to say, okay, listen, I'm not sure where I'm going to go right now. And I don't know if I should ask somebody about this or, you know, or I just need some time to really think. I need time to research. And that's another thing that physicians are good at. We're good at research, right? We don't have to be researchers, but we're good at finding information. And that is critical, right? That is critical in in business too. This week's podcast is sponsored by our course, Zero to Freedom Through Cashflowing Rentals. Zero to Freedom Through Cashflowing Rentals is a 10-week online course focused on helping physicians and high-income earners go from knowing little to nothing about real estate investing to confidently buying the cashflowing rentals that will allow them to achieve financial freedom and work in medicine or their day jobs on their own terms. Our course is only open to registration twice a year, so be sure to get on the wait list at semiretiredmd.com and check out the course details on our course landing page. This episode is brought to you by Dan Peck of Movement Mortgage. If you're an experienced investor, you'll know just how important it is to have a lender who knows how to work with investors. We've been working with Dan and his team for over eight years now, and he's our go-to whenever we need a residential loan for our investment properties. Now, if you're new to investing, you might not know this, but your lender can sometimes be the difference between getting a great deal or completely missing out on it because your lender couldn't close the deal. I did want to point out that Dan can help you not only with your investment properties, but also if you're looking to buy a primary residence or vacation home. So the next time you're looking for a residential lender, be sure to email Dan at srmd.movement.com to get a free consultation. And also let him know that you're part of the Semi-Retired MD community to get an exclusive discount on your next loan. Now back to the episode. And the relationships, which are the things that you've pointed to a couple of times that really helped you um, were relationships. So looking at all the pieces that have had to fall into place over the last 10 years, like what, what do you think has led to a lot of your success? Um, I think just like 
what you guys always talk about is having a team. Just in real estate, it's having a team that's successful. And in business, it's having a team that's successful, right? Because you, as a sig single individual, now, if you have a partner, that's fantastic. If you have multiple partners, that's fantastic. But as a business, um, you can't do it all. There is absolutely no way that you can do it all. And that's another issue that I had to overcome is that I felt like I needed to do everything and I wasn't doing everything well. And that's a big problem for a business to be successful. So you have to really let go. You have to give, um, give you know, trust, but you have to have a good team. And there have been times in these 10 years that my team has not been good at all right? There's always, there, there can be a sour apple in there occasionally. And that's part of what I think of now, what I'm doing is, you know, in my professional life, and I think everybody who's listening to this probably has known about the maintenance of certification that we all have to do as physicians, right? It's something we all have to do either twice a year, four times a year, update your, you know, keep keep fresh in the knowledge that, that is available and the research that's available. I think that's true in business. I think what happens is, and you know, I've been doing this for 10 years, so I can kind of say that you can get comfortable in your team. You can be like, oh, wow, they're doing everything great and I'm still making money and this is really nice, but there should be a maintenance of, quali you know, of quality in a business that we all have to do twice a year, four times a year, once a year, it doesn't matter. Um, but we should reassess, look at our financial health, look at um, our team, look at our consumers and our customers and making sure that they're happy. Look at trends, you know, are we missing something? So I think there should be something like that for business for sure. Tell us about leading your team, because I think it's one of the most challenging things we found is finding A players. That's what we think about is the culture and performance fit. Um, and then, you know, running a team of all A players. And you're right, sometimes you don't have A players and you have to move on. So talk to us about leading the team and if there are any takeaways you would have for somebody either in business or in real estate investing about, uh, you know, managing your team over the time. Yeah. So I think that, um, you know, for a business, it's e-commerce like mine. Right. Um, I think, you know, my team consists of um, someone who works on the administrative day to day basis. So someone who deals with distributors, someone who deals with the website and the and the emails, kind of the administrative aspect. And that that is my friend who does that after 10 years. She's still kind of in that role. Um, I think for e-commerce and as strong as Amazon is, for me, having an Amazon consultant was very, very, is very, very important to the team because Amazon changes day to day. And selling on Amazon is one of the hardest things to do. Buying on Amazon is extremely easy, but selling is very, very difficult. And I think that it is a day-to-day -day process that I don't have the time for or the knowledge base. Believe me, I've tried to do it on my own. It doesn't work. So an Amazon consultant was very important to me. Have you know, and, and for our type of product, um, we have a lot of communication with our um, customers. Um, they're very engaged. They open up our emails. They, um, they interact with our posts. Um, you know, our main customer base are nurses. Um, they help choose the majority of the designs I make. 
So remaining in contact with them is very important. So a social media marketing team is very important part of my team as well. Um, and I think that that is probably the minimum, that's probably good enough if you're in an e-commerce sort of position, um, but keeping in close contact with each of them as often as possible is, is critical too. I, I've gone the route where I've met with my team once a month or six weeks. I think it's very critical to do it as, as often as you possibly can um, to maintain kind of communication and make sure everybody is on track. So you're working uh, as a doc, you've got a real estate portfolio, and then you've also got this business. How are you balancing all of it? And where are the efficiencies you found in hiring things out or taking things off your plate? Yeah. And I think that's the biggest challenge for me is trying to have a business and have a professional career as well. Right. And I and I listen to a lot of podcasts about, you know, entrepreneurs and in physician entrepreneurs. And and I and I know that a lot of uh, businesses, you know, you want to get to the point where, you know, your business is so successful and that's what you want to do. But I've never been there. I've talked to so many business people and I've talked to so many mentors and they're like, what is your goal? What is your end point here? And I'm like, well, I want to still see patients. I still want to do research, but I still want to do my business. And they kind of look at me funny, but, you know, it's hard. And so I feel like for me, pivoting is critical, right? I think there's a negative connotation of pivoting because, I mean, I've pivoted before for for negative reasons, right? I mean, my sales have plateaued or I'm not, you know, getting as many likes on social media. So now I had to pivot to figure out what the problem is. But I think for me, pivoting is important too. So this last year, I spent a lot of time on research and, and my research in public health as it pertains to women's health. And so I pivoted away from my business for a period of time. Now that, you know, that slowed down business. I mean, if you're not committed and involved on a regular basis, that's the downside. So now I'm pivoting back. Um, I can't say that that's, you know, the right thing to do, but I think that's the right thing for me. And it may be right for some people that want to try to do both things and continue to feel um, successful in both of the worlds. Yeah, Keith Cunningham, you know, one of our mentors, he he says people are always talking about becoming owners, not operators. But the fact is, as a business owner, it's like a merry-go-round. You know, yes, it takes a lot of work to get it going, but you still got to touch it every once in a while to keep it going. Or alternatively, you could hire like a CEO or you could hire somebody that's running the business and you're more of the visionary and the owner role, right? But you still have somebody in the day-to-day -day operations kind of running the business and that's the role you choose. So I think for a lot of physician entrepreneurs, we start out doing both things and there becomes a point at which you have so much going on in both, you have to choose one or the other. And one option is to stay physician and hire somebody who's going to run a lot of the day-to-day -day operations of your other business. And you can still sit back and take more passive income instead of active income in that role. So it, I think there's really two paths. It's really cool. Right. No, no. Believe me, I, I've actually thought about that this year too. Um, I'm actually really basically rebranding my business and um, moving from uh, business to business or kind of working solely with distributors now to going business to consumer. So mm -hmm. it's really going to, you know, I've really started to kind of 
have to think about my brand and being the face of the brand and kind of working away from my introvert <laughs> sort of my you know, my leaning towards being an introvert to really kind of becoming the face of the brand. Um, and and so I have thought about someone to you know help the company and I and I think that that is definitely a reasonable option as well. You were mentioning distributors, though. Is that uh, are you referring to Amazon, or do you have other distributors that you? No, when I when I first started, I went solely to distributors, and it because it's easy. It's easy. They take your product, they market your product, they sell your product. I mean, for a physician who wants to keep practicing, hey, that's that's a very real option. Mm -hmm. um, there are plenty of medical supply companies that are online or have mom and pop scrub stores or where your product could, could really flourish. The downside of that is you lose your brand recognition, right? A lot of distributors rebrand to their name. Um, your, your brand gets diluted, right? They don't have your interest in you and your company. They just want to sell the product. Um, so that, that, came to a point in the last few years that I just didn't feel comfortable with anymore. I mean, this was, this was my company. This was my baby. This is something that I wanted to main, con maintain control over. And so I've decided to, again, pivot away from that sort of business to something that's more business to consumer. Yeah, I think a lot of us are artists who are physicians first and then business owners second. And by artist, I mean, we love our product. We want to deliver the best quality product. We care about it so much and we care about our customers and we just want to make sure it's it's quote unquote perfect, right? And it's not just about making the maximum amount of money. It's about delivering something of quality that we're proud of. And uh, and yeah, that's definitely the challenge if you, if you don't have that control and you don't have the ability to be in the weeds to make sure that what you're delivering is what you really want to deliver, right? Into the world. That is absolutely true. It's absolutely true. So what do you see as your future? Like, what are you excited about? You know, <laughs> I just, yeah. where are you going with your business? <laughs> What's your goal? Well, my, my goal is for everyone in the entire world to have a stethoscope with a charm on it. Okay. And that has not happened. Um, yeah. Yes. yeah, my, my goal is, like, like I said, is to really come out of my shell and be the face of the brand, really, really create more of um, a communication with my customers on a personal level, right? Really push mentorship and collaboration, really help other early women-owned businesses to succeed. Um, I Last month, we finished a, coll a collaboration with Green Cloud Scrubs, which is um, a physician woman-owned business. Um, I want to do more of that. Um, you know, I push mentorship in my professional life, and I want to do that in kind of the charmed world too. We have a strong customer base of nurses. I want more doctors, you know, which is a very small portion of our customer base. We should have more doctors, but we have vets and we have MAs and we have LVNs and we've got nursing students, um, but they all need mentors. You know, I wanna really promote that within themselves, within the community and really build that community. Cause I think it is, um, it's, it would be great. Tell everyone why you think physicians uh, would make such good entrepreneurs. Um, I think because of our resilience, I really do. I think going through medical school, going through residency, going through fellowship, practicing medicine, 
um, on a day-to-day -day basis, I think we are resilient, okay? And I think that we can work well with people. And I think that is huge too. I mean, I, 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 you know, we work with people every day in the hospitals or in the clinics. We know what people want. We know how to read people after, you know, a few seconds of meeting them. I think that's huge in business. I think we have a huge advantage in so many aspects of our um, personalities and what we've been trained to be that would make us great business people. I think that the fear um, that we've not been, that we've not gone to school for business, right? That we haven't read the textbooks, that we haven't been taught business is a big kind of mental hurdle to get through. But I think so much, like you said, of what you learn in business is actually working, right? Is actually failing, is actually trying. Um, and so I think if you can get past the idea that we are kind of lifelong learners from the textbook standpoint, we are still lifelong learners, but it's more of a practical kind of just throw yourself in there and do it standpoint. Yeah, totally. I love it. <laughs> Thank you for giving that speech, that TED talk. <laughs> um, can you tell us where real estate fits into all of this? Because <laughs> I just, I got to ask after having spent so much time with David, I just love, I want to hear your perspective. Um, I think real estate isn't, you know, I, I, I have to give this credit to Bonnie Koo, who talks about the, the legs on the table. Yes. I think it's just another leg, right? It's another area to invest and explore um, that helps protect you from a business that's failing, right? Um, a, a change in uh, of, of what you want to do. You want to leave medicine. It, it's just an added sense of security. But for us too, it's it's just learning something new, right? It's learning something new and being successful in it um, is a huge. Uh, it, it just like I said, you know, we're all lifelong learners. We're all learning something new. But I think investing in real estate is just another kind of aspect of of a business. It's just, yeah. it's another aspect of a business. Yeah. And growing, right. You, you're talking about growing. Yeah. It's a great vehicle, right. It's a great vehicle to take those business earnings and to take your W2 income and shelter it from taxes, which I know you guys were able to do with your That's passive great. income, which is really, right. really cool. So awesome. Right. Um, let's, yep. let's go in with the last two questions. Yeah. We all ask all of our guests two questions. Uh, the first one is what is your definition of wealthy? So, um, you know, I'm going to use kind of probably what you've heard a million times over is that wealthy is being able to do what you really want to do comfortably. Um, and for us, it's time. Our time is very expensive and we would love to use it traveling with our kids, spending time with our families, spending time with each other without um, without the constraints of kind of work and expectations, but it's also the impact we have on our community, right? Um, Charmed from the beginning has been donating portions of our ribbon charms to multiple organizations. And David and I started a nonprofit last year um, for, uh, for research for our son who has a very rare blood disorder. Um, so we're really focusing on that. And so impacting the community for me is, is a big part too. Beautiful. Awesome. What is one mindset, habit, or strategy that separates someone who is wealthy versus someone who is not? 
Um, so my son is taking an economics course this summer. And so I've been reading along in the textbooks with him. And, you know, they talk about all these characteristics of an entrepreneur, a successful person, because they're just so amazing. And, you know, they talk about well, you know, confidence and, um, you know, work ethic and perseverance. Um, but I come back to resilient. I mean, being able to take the negative and make it a positive, because I feel like in, you know, in 10 years of doing this, I have had many lows, many lows. Um, and anyone who's going to be in business that long will have that as well. But it's, it's kind of picking yourself up and finding a solution. And that can be the hardest thing to do. But I think that that makes for a successful business person. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Love that. Training our kids. Mm -hmm. That's right. Sure. I yeah. know. And I think that's a huge positive of having a business is watching our kids watch us. From the from the early start, I would have my one of my daughters who was older, she would help me design, she helped design our flag charm. Um, and now she is trying to be an influencer on social media for K-pop and getting collaborations with you know different companies and she's not even out of high school and she's already thinking about products and things that she can sell and it's it's teaching our kids that it's possible right mm -hmm. just to not be narrow not be focused on one thing but always be open to opportunities and can you tell everyone jennifer where they can find you where they can find charmed Yep. So you can find us at charmedbling.com. So it's C-H-A-R-M-E-D bling.com. That's our website. You can find us on Amazon um, and you can hopefully find us on, please find us on social media, on Instagram and Facebook. We would love to have you join the community. And we'll see you a lot more as the face of the business, which I'm really excited about. That's going to be really cool. Yeah. Right. Thank you so much, Jennifer, for joining well, us for and sharing all this. A, a lot of great pearls for people who are thinking about entrepreneurship and are wondering if as a doctor, they have the skills and knowledge to be able to do it. Um, and for the work you're doing with your nonprofit and uh, with women, lifting women up. So thank you. Thank you. Hey, Doctors Building Wealth. Did you hear that Kenji and I wrote a book called Life on Your Terms, which is a fable of two doctor couples, one who goes the traditional route, investing in their 401ks and working harder, and one that decides to invest in real estate and what happens to those two couples over five years. Our book is now out and available for purchase. Be sure to go to semiretiredmd.com forward slash book to pick up a copy today. And write us a review because it's going to be so helpful to us to be able to get this book out into the larger community and be able to affect more change and impact more lives. And in case you didn't know, all the profits of our book go to our Doctors Legacy Building Foundation, which is all about helping underserved communities be able to get financial literacy. Thank you for all of your support. The Doctors Building Wealth podcast provides information only and does not provide any financial, legal, tax, medical, or psychological services or advice. You are responsible for your own financial, physical, mental, and emotional well-being, decisions, choices, actions, and results. You should contact a professional if you have any specific questions about your unique situation.